SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're back here on Fantasy Sports today as we have Game 7 of the Western Conference semifinals tonight between the Los Angeles Clippers and Denver Nuggets. The L.A. Clippers going up 3-1 in this series, looking like they're going to be waiting to play the Lakers. Instead, the Lakers end up winning their series. The Clippers are still waiting to get to the Western Finals, but the question is at this point, have they already missed their opportunity? They're seven-point favorites tonight. Adam Ronas is going to join us a little bit later in the show to talk about that. And, Joe, of course, we're going to have another, I think, fun battle here in the Eastern Conference, too. Most people thought Milwaukee would be headed to the finals. Most people thought Milwaukee would have a chance to win the championship. They are out, and it's the Heat and Celtics tonight. Yeah, uh, it definitely is, and uh, here we go. We're getting closer and closer there, too, and I, I was just uh, seeing a great piece that I was on this morning about Kawhi Leonard, too, and uh, how much heat he might take, potentially, uh, if if this team of his does not uh, perform up to expectations, but we shall see. But uh, nobody better than Adam Ronis to be breaking down the basketball slate for you, too. Uh, I don't know how that dude does three sports as well as he does, but my goodness, he does. Everybody better watch out if he starts doing fancy hockey. He, he very well might, and I might not even know it, because that's how good Adam Ronis is. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I, I think he did do hockey at one point. I'm not sure if he does. He probably but, does, man. The dude is, the he dude is a monster, does. man. He's probably, he's probably in first or second looking to uh, looking to win. Um, by the way, before we get into that, have you have you looked at the standings at all in baseball? It's coming to an end next week. Have, any any success or failure in baseball? Uh, you know what? Season long, I checked out, man. After that first two weeks, I said, this is impossible. I can't do it. There's too much football going on. But in DFS, it's been actually pretty decent. Um, we actually have uh, been continuing to plug along there. It's been a, a pretty good road there. Uh, that was just the pivot to me. It just made so much sense to be looking more towards the Daily Fantasy. Um, luckily, uh, my podcast partner, uh, Casey Bubba and I uh, gone in together and we've had some pretty good success. And even yesterday, uh, slate looked pretty clean to us. We went with Pablo Lopez yesterday. We thought a lot of people would be down on him. Guess what? They were down on him. We were not. And uh, Pablo showed up again at home as those splits did portend. And how do you feel about the Marlins right now being as relevant as they might be? <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun to cover. I'm hoping it continues for sure. And you know, certainly one week and a half left, and they play the Red Sox the next three days, and they win a couple of those, they have a chance to finish second in the East. That guarantees them a spot in the postseason. So I, I think they have a really good shot to make it. But again, anything can happen, and you can win a bunch in a row, you could lose a bunch in a row, and mm -hmm. certainly we'll see what ends up happening. But tonight we do have Game Seven, and that will top our headlines here for this hour in. Our fantasy sports today headlines as the Nuggets and Clippers will go at it. Eastern Conference Finals, we got the Heat and Celtics today. Celtics a very slight favorite in this one, although Boston has had success against Miami during the regular season. How about the Lightning back trying to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals if they can get it done tonight? Uh, Thursday night, we got some lines out in the NFL, some shifting lines too. Of course, they come out on Sunday night, and then there's some massive overreaction on a couple of different sides. And this one in particular, the Browns, showing that they're still a good football team. They are seven-and-a-half-point favorites against the Cincinnati Bengals, who struggled in a big way on Sunday, although they did have a shot at the end of that game to tie. Uh, Padres uh, tonight, can they win their ninth straight game? They have one of the guys on the mound that can get it done for them is Tony Gonsolin, who I think, Joe, probably not going to win the Rookie of the Year, but he's going to be in the top two or three. I know we were having this discussion 
about maybe three or four weeks ago who would be the rookie of the year. The AL is really easy to predict at this point. It's going to be Lewis Robert or Kyle Lewis. But in the NL, it's very murky. And dare I say, even with six starts under his belt, I think Sixto Sanchez is probably the favorite to win the National uh, League Rookie of the Year. I mean, Cronenworth I has been good, but no, I don't think Sixto. it's going to be Sixto Sanchez. <laughs> I think it should be Sixto Sanchez. I think he is the reason for all the excitement right now, and it looks like the Marlins got this one right for sure. I mean, when Pedro Martinez is is tweeting about how much you remind him of himself, but a better version at that age. Well, that's pretty high praise. I can tell you, and I've seen the side-by-side comparisons and um, you know, I'll tell you what you you mentioned Gonsolin too, who's who's been respectable for sure, but the guy that we were remiss and I blame myself there. I should have uh, really mentioned it. We were talking about the Padres in hour one. Let's talk about Zach Davies. Who's been tremendous this year. That's another pitch we haven't even talked about. And yet he might have been the most consistent at rotation all year. And here you go. He's going to have a match against the Dodgers. And you know what? I think I would favor Zach Davies. He's been so steady. I can't believe I'm saying this. But at a certain point, you have to buy into what he's been able to do. So add him to that Paddock, Lamette, Clevenger grouping. That's a lot of pitching. And the Padres have overcome some big injuries, too. We're talking about Tommy Pham being out. We're talking about Eric Hosmer being out. Look at those Padres continuing to find ways to put things together. It's incredible. It really is. The Padres deserve all the credit. I hope they go far in this postseason. I really do. I hope they're not one and done because I want them to get a little bit more national acclaim right now outside of just these baseball circles with people like you and I and people on this show and on this network. But I got to tell you, man, all respect to the Padres because they could have folded up the tents with some of these injuries and they did not. And good on them going out there and getting Mike Clevenger and showing the team that they believe in them and they're going to be aggressive and good for them and getting a bunch of bodies too, guys like Mitch Moreland who have been able to contribute since he's come over. So good on the Padres and good on Zach Davies, who again, I I think is going to uh, give the Dodgers all they can handle today. Cause guess what? That's what he's done to everybody all year. He has, uh, but I would say that Gonsolin's numbers not only stack up with Sixo Sanchez, but stack up with Jacob deGrom. I mean, Gonsolin has been unbelievable for them this year. And look, it may all come to an end. He doesn't have the track record that would show you that his ERA should be one and a half for an entire season, but I don't want to take anything away from him. Maybe that's the best baseball game tonight on the board. How about the NBA games on the board? Because I think that tonight's game between Denver and the Los Angeles Clippers has a chance to be a real classic. It's not very often in sports that you see a team come from behind 3-1 to win three straight and win a championship. Will it happen tonight? Adam Ronis will tell us next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Of course, tonight is a very big night in the NBA, and we have Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals and Game 7 of one of the games in the West semifinals. And joining us now to break it all down is Adam Ronis. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Ronis and follow all of his work over at Fantasy Alarm and also at wageralarm.com. And Adam, great to be with you here again. And coming off the football weekend, now we dive right back into some NBA. Things are getting hot. And uh, tonight, I, I feel like we're in for a really good East finals. And I think we're probably going to be in for a good West finals as well. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I cannot believe that we're sitting here and the Clippers are in a Game 7 against Denver. I'm just stunned. I mean, Game 5, the Clippers had an opportunity to put them away, 
They had a 16-point lead in the third quarter, and they blew it. Okay, fine. Goes to game six. Even though I was on Denver in game six for the points, I still thought the Clippers right. would win. And the Clippers had a 16-point lead at halftime and let it slip away and wound up losing by 12. So Denver has done this now for the second straight series. I mean, you rarely see teams come back from 3-1 and win, and Denver yes. did that against Utah. And now they forced another game seven. So uh, once again, uh, the Clippers are getting a lot of respect. Um, so I, I got to take the points here. Uh, Clippers, you know, Clippers are a team I've been on all year. I have money on them to win the NBA title. But I am concerned. And I think speaking with you the last couple of times, I said the Clippers still have not really peaked yet. And uh, they have not played well. Outside of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they're really not getting nothing. Montrez Harrell has been terrible. Uh, he didn't play at all in the seeding games. And I figured by now he'd get going. He hasn't. Lou Williams is a guy, when I see him shoot, I'm like, he's going to make the shot. I don't feel that way over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and Denver has exploited them inside with Nikola Jokic. So, I think the Clippers should win this game. I would be really stunned if they lost, but I did not expect them to lose game five and game six. Uh, I think Kawhi Leonard will show up big. He's probably going to have to carry this team and maybe put up 35 to 40, which he certainly can uh, with Paul George. And they're going to need someone else to step up. Uh, it would be nice to see Lou Williams. He hasn't done it in a while. Uh, maybe Morris, but I think the Clippers do hold on, but there's no way I can take them seven seven and a half what it is right now i just uh, how how can you disrespect denver like that and even if the clippers do blow them out again i wouldn't be stunned but i i can't take the clippers by seven seven and a half right now i just can't do it yeah and and by the way when the nuggets have have won um with the exception i think it was uh game uh five they, they're winning by like 10 points or more too as as, as huge underdogs so and it's it all late it's all late. They're just going on these ridiculous runs. I mean, they outscored them by like 25-30 in the second half in game six. Uh, and Jamal Murray, they need him to be big. He was shot 9-13 from the field in game six. They haven't usually won if he doesn't score like at least 20. So he's mm -hmm. kind of rediscovered his shooting stroke. Uh, and you know, we knew Denver had depth. And even though Will Barton hasn't played at all in the playoffs, Gary Harris has come back. He played 42 minutes last game. He's a good defender. So uh, Denver's... Yeah, a lot of credit to them. And Nicole Jokic said it best. He's like, there's no pressure on us. It's all on them. And he's absolutely right. It's all on the Clippers. We were expecting a Clippers-Lakers Western Conference final. And now it's all on the Clippers. It looked like maybe it was the Lakers. And two days ago or three days ago, the Clippers were the favorite to win the NBA championship. They're not. Now it's the Lakers. Mm. Yeah. Um, and we saw the graphic before of the spread. The total is also uh, 206 and a half. And if you're really feeling gutsy, the money line on the Nuggets tonight is plus 232. You can get almost two and a half on one game to your money. I mean, this tells you how, how Vegas feels very strongly about the Clippers tonight, regardless of everything that has happened. Uh, okay, so that is the later game. Let's go to the earlier game. And this is a 6.30 Eastern start, so 3.30 on the West Coast. And it's game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think that some people thought that the Celtics could get there, and, and they did. And as you see here, they are a point-and-a-half favorite over the upstart Miami Heat, who came into the bubble, Adam. And look, I mean, they played pretty well in the restart, and, and you could see that things were going well for them. And, and then after they won the first round, you thought, oh, you know, maybe maybe they could get the second round. But they're in a spot now here where it is very clear that this is a toss-up in terms of the series because they've made the Celtics only 
a point and a half favorite. The total is 210. The total in Heat Celtics is actually higher than the Western Conference game tonight. And that is not something that you see very often. But Adam, the Heat has the shooters, right? I mean, they can just get red hot with Hero or Robinson or any of those guys from the outside. And Vegas has to protect against that a little bit. In fact, the line opened at 210. It's up to 210 and a half at the FanDuel Sportsbook, depending on when you log on. Obviously, that could change. So let's talk about this game tonight, and then let's uh, and let's get a winner of the series from you with this. Yeah, I mean, look, the Heat have been unbelievable in the playoffs. They've only lost one playoff game. They caught a little bit of a break with Giannis getting hurt in Game 4, sitting out Game 5, but they were already up 3-0 anyway. They were likely going to close it out. Uh, you give them credit for beating the top seed. Uh, and even they're 8-1 against the spread, too, in the playoffs. So uh, they're really good. Uh, they got Jimmy Butler leading the way. Uh, but they're going to need a lot of other players to step up in this series. I mean, the Celtics are very good. I know they went seven with Toronto. Anyone who watched that series, Boston outplayed them. Uh, it shouldn't have gone to seven. Game three, uh, they got that game-winning shot. Uh, they took double overtime in game six. Give Toronto credit. A lot of heart. They fought. They did not give up. But Boston was the better team. They're very good defensively. They should get Gordon Hayward back in this series, too, which is definitely going to help. Jason Tatum is a superstar. Uh, 29 points in each of the last two games. Jalen Brown stepped up big. Uh, I think they're a good defensive team, and I think they're going to give Miami a little bit of trouble uh, shooting from three-point range. I think they're going to defend the threes better. I think it's going to be a close series, but I lean. Uh, I'm going to take Boston in game one. It's only a point and a half, mm-hmm. and I'm going to lean to Boston winning this series. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami did, uh, but I think Boston is a, a little bit of a better team. When you handicap the NBA – this year in particular, Adam, how much do you go back and look prior to the bubble? I know that that here in South Florida has been part of the discussion back on December the uh, 4th. The Celtics beat the Heat 112 to 93, and then they played them again in January before they stopped, and they beat them 109 101. And certainly the, the Celtics won in 2019, uh, also before the season ended, back-to-back games. So essentially before the restart, the Celtics had won four straight games against the Heat. Do you look at that sort of stuff? I mean, is it just too far back at this point to even consider that? Yeah, it's kind of like last year. I mean, they had four months off, so it's a lot different. I know they did play in the bubble and Miami won. I don't think Jimmy Butler played that game. Uh, But again, there really wasn't motivation, I don't think, for either team. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Miami's been great in the postseason. So that's why the line is so low and you can't dismiss them. I guess the one thing to keep an eye on is a grueling series, seven-game series for Boston where the last two, three games, their starters played big minutes. Now, they have had three days off. Miami has a week off. Uh, we have seen with Denver, I think it was, after their seven-game series. They, but they had play. They only had one day of rest. And they, Jamal Murray admitted, he's like, I'm not trying to make an excuse, but we were just exhausted. But I don't know if Boston could – if that's going to happen to them since they haven't played for several days. Uh, I just think Boston's a little bit better, uh, and I think Miami's going to need more than um, Butler and Dragic. That's the other thing, too, with Gore and Dragic in the first couple games that they played against uh, Boston. He was coming off the bench. They just made that change really for the postseason. So that's why it's hard to take away those first couple games. Uh, it's, it is really like a new season. It was four months ago, five months yeah. ago, six in some cases. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Uh, okay, we got about a minute left. Um, week one of the of fantasy football season, I, and for people who you, you appear on this show, they don't realize that uh, you know you're just into football and, and baseball, if if not more than you are even into basketball for sure. But uh, I love your NBA knowledge, so that's why I bring you on. But in the final minute we have here, was there one 
big takeaway from you from from uh, from the weekend? I mean, the Mac injury to me is the most like shattering on a couple of different levels because now you have a new running back there, and if you have Mac, he's done. Uh, but beyond that, was there anything like that? It is not an overreaction to week one. I feel like there was a lot of overreaction. We have about 30 seconds left. Yeah, there's always a lot of overreaction to week one, but I thought Aaron Rodgers looked really good. I know Minnesota's defense is terrible. They had a lot of losses, and I don't know if many people realize that, but they also didn't focus on the run. We thought they were going to be run heavy. Aaron Rodgers came out slinging. I don't know if that was like an FU to drafting the quarterback, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to go out on my terms, but I was impressed. I want to see if that continues because they didn't upgrade at wide receiver this year. Yeah, no, they didn't. And, and you know, I'm not sure either because Minnesota's defense yeah. looked – I mean, Zimmer's a great coach. And for them to look that bad, tell, I'm a little nervous about the way Minnesota looked uh, defensively for sure. All right, uh, thanks so much, Adam, for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the NBA games. Thanks again. No problem, man. Always good talking to you, Craig. All right, Adam Ronis. Follow him on Twitter, at Adam Ronis, Fantasy Alarm, fantasyalarm.com and wageralarm.com. You can find him there. Joe and I will be back to talk some rookies in fantasy football. How'd they do in week one? We'll tell you right after this, right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thanks again, Adam, for coming on the show and breaking down those NBA games. Of course, we're headed toward week two of the fantasy football season. Of course, Tuesday's a little bit of a different day, a day to sort of look back and also reflect and then start to move forward because, again, players will start getting back on the field on Wednesday. We'll get those practice reports on. In fact, Dr. Chow will be with us on the program tomorrow talking about some of the key injuries in the NFL, specifically James Connors as well as Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints. But, Joe, as we look back on week one, we saw some, uh, I think, some pretty positive performances from rookies overall. I wouldn't say anything outside of uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire really blew anyone away. Um, You know, that may change very quickly, week two or week three. I could definitely see that happening. But let's go ahead and take a look real quick at, uh, you you basically have assigned grades to all of the rookies who performed in the first week of the fantasy football season. And let's start off with how you looked at the running back position. Well, first of all, I think all the rookies were working at a huge deficit coming in with no preseason, limited time of practice, no OTAs, all of that. So the fact that they were able to do what they were able to do at all, I think is astounding. And we should give them a little credit. It was a very difficult curve. And I'm trying to be honest, grade them on a curve, but also realize it's week one and do all the things. And this is more for fun to start talking about these guys. So let's get after it. Let's talk about Clyde Edwards, a layer to start. He got an A. He aced the test, Craig. He looked great. I mean, I don't know. I guess you could have given him an A+. I thought about it, but, but it's only week one, so I'm just in the A instead. Uh, Josh Kelly, to me, was a B-plus strong effort this one. Now, if this volume continues, but to have the kind of usage that he had was very encouraging. Also, had a touchdown on this one. I thought Josh Kelly, and this was another guy that kind of with Billy, Benny Snell was in a free square at the end of drafts. So you could just kind of take and see what happened. And Justin Jackson really wasn't uh, blowing away anybody in camp. So I thought Kelly was a really intriguing one. So he came up with a B plus. So those are the top two graders. Would you agree that those were the best two performers of the running backs you saw in terms of the rookies coming out before we get to the rest of them? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, and by the way, I think those grades are fair. I, I think that if it was me, I would give Edwards Hilaire an A. Uh, Josh Kelly, I would give a B probably, but not much different. So I see it the same way as you. Uh, let, let's run down the rest here. Jonathan Taylor, you gave a B as we see there uh, on the graphic. Uh, Zach Moss, wow, high grade for him, B minus. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, C plus for him. Antonio Gibson, a C minus, could have been lower. DeAndre Swift, D plus. I don't know how much lower you could go than that, but that's I would have given him the lower grade on the board. Well, I didn't want to fail him, but uh, I know if you had a chance to, uh, uh, you know, oh, hold a grudge, you would get an F. I, I'm going to give him the D plus because, again, I'm trying to give them a benefit of the doubt. It was week one, uh, you know, big moments and things like that. I know he was kind of pushing back from an injury as well. But, um, they, you know, Jalen Regor was a guy that, you know, had that one big catch and then that was it. And let's see if he could build on that. But it was nice to see. It looks like, okay, well, this is the kind of flash why you took this kid and why you thought he was going to be good. Um, Ruggs was another um, – excuse me, we would go to the wide receivers here. That's another guy to check right. on. But in terms of the running backs, like, you know, when we go back to those guys too, uh, I got to tell you, man, I think that when you consider um, that so much of this was all just throwing them out there and seeing what they get. And and Moss got the higher grade for me because of what he did in that moment in the end zone. And I kind of touched that on yesterday's show where there was an adjustment he had to make. It was something that would never show up in a box score, except in the fact that he scored a touchdown. It was one of those little things that when Josh Allen got out in space, Zach Moss knew exactly where he needed to be, made the adjustment quickly down by the goal line area, got the touchdown. To me, that is what gave him the high grade because that was not so much a stat moment so much as a real football moment. And if he's going to be that kind of running back, that's something to keep in mind going forward. So those are the grades on the running backs. Again, some some mixed things there. We'll see if Dobbins can continue to be good around the uh, goal line. But as Craig and I were just mentioning at the end of hour one, let's see what happens when they're in a dogfight in a tougher game. Let's see if Mark Ingram is then the guy that doesn't get those looks there. It's easy to give the rookie those spots in a blowout game. Let's see what happens when those games are tighter against Pittsburgh and some other teams like that. All right. Now let's take a look at the wide receivers and see how Joe graded out the rookies in week one of the fantasy football season. And we'll start off with CeeDee Lamb, who played very well in his debut. He got a B plus. Joe gives Henry Ruggs a C. I want to talk about that in a second. Uh, Jerry Judy gets a B plus in his first start. Jalen Rager had a C minus. He mentioned he had the one big catch. Jefferson gets a D. He was non-existent. Pittman. A D minus, he was pretty much non-existent as well. My only uh, thing there would be with Ruggs, Joe. If Ruggs is healthy, he is uncoverable. Uh, he, they, mm-hmm. I mean, look, Carolina's defense isn't great. I get that, but I, what I saw from Ruggs leads me to believe he's going to be better than I thought. He, he can't be covered, and he was wide open uh, on three different plays in the first half, and they didn't even look his way a couple times. The one time he did, he scored a touchdown. Um, so for, for me, in fact, you know what? He scored a touchdown. They called it back and he was on the one. That's why Jacobs got one of those touchdowns, but, but Ruggs right. did get out on the one yard line. Uh, I'm going to be a fan of him if he's healthy. I don't know that he is though. I'm not really sure what happened in that game. Maybe Dr. Chow tomorrow will, will shed some light on that. But for me, that was that, that's someone that I would have to give a little bit of a higher grade on. But again, I can understand the second half. He was silent. I just don't know if he's hurt or not. Well, that's that's what happened. I, I think if you were grading the two halves, I think in the you know second half non-existent, so you maybe give him a D there. But if you give him a, a B in the first one, that's where you end up getting oh, no, something no, no. in the he middle. An a plus. He he was the oh, most dynamic rookie right. of anyone in the first half, and then it was, it was a zero in the second half. 
But but if you just I, I, you can't extrapolate him. But if you took his first half numbers and second half numbers and put them together, the numbers are better than anyone else except for Hilaire. But he got hurt. I think I, I I'm just not entirely sure what happened after the game. Gruden really didn't talk all that much about it. He said he's fine, but yet he didn't look fine in that second half. So I'll have to wait. But again, we can't. You know, we're not going to agree on everything. That 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 was one that I changed my opinion. That player. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I I had actually higher expectations for rugs than you did. I know you were a little lower on him. I had very high expectations for him in this particular game because this is something that Carolina struggles mightily with, which is wide receivers with a lot of speed. You saw it even last year in week one. I mean, Marquise Brown just blew the doors off those guys and rugs is that same kind of guy. And that's why it all worked out. And maybe we feel differently. If he did have that touchdown, that would might obviously it's going to change things dramatically. Well, he did. I mean, he got knocked out on the inch. I know, I know, but you know, it doesn't show up in the box score. People don't always see it. And this is a good point to make because I think we can turn this into another conversation before we go back to the rookie wide receivers. We could talk a little bit about trade targets in week one because I think people will look at rugs and they'll go, eh, okay. They might see the stats and go, eh, okay. But like you're saying, if you saw what happened and you saw his ability to get open and blow the doors off, guys, he has that kind of Marquise Brown speed. He has that kind of Tyree kill kind of speed. And if he can do that, and Derek Carr can hook up with him, there could be some really big games here. Is he going to be the most consistent guy? We don't know that. However, I do think in terms of upside wide receiver, he could be that. And I think if you're looking around, kicking the tires already in trades in week two, he's a very intriguing trade target. I want to go back to CeeDee Lamb if we can and the wide receivers Mm -hmm. because watching that game Sunday night, Craig, I was super impressed. CeeDee Lamb is another guy that I've got so many shares of. I didn't start him anywhere in week one, full transparency, because I wanted to see what he was going to do. And he didn't disappoint me. Dak Prescott looked like he was in a really good rhythm with him at times. And that to me is everything. And I got to tell you that I am really optimistic about going forward. And if they're God forbid in this offense should be a problem where Cooper or Gallup or somebody else goes down with an injury. I have zero concerns about CeeDee Lamb stepping up his game and doing very well with a bigger target share because in that small sample against the Rams, there were definitely some moments there where you were just looking and saying, my goodness, things look good. And for guys not having a whole lot of time together, wow, that looked like a real deal to me. And I, and I think it's interesting that you and I also kind of saw things the same way when it came to C.D. Lamb. Yeah, and, and I have him in my leagues too. I, I don't know that he's startable, as you said, yet. I, I hope he will be. He was a star in college for sure and saw him play a lot. Uh, I also like T. Higgins a lot in college too. And unfortunately, not much action for him in week one of the fantasy football season. That leads us to our quarterbacks. Of course, Higgins is playing in Cincinnati. And uh, certainly with A.J. Green being healthy, there was no doubt who Joe Burrow was going to early and often. It was A.J. Green. He should have had a touchdown at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, but he decided to push off. I don't even know if he needed to in the back of the end zone. He could have caught that ball and scored, and the Bengals would have won the game. Uh, Burrow, uh, Joe, you've given a C-plus in this game. I think that's being a little generous. But also we also have to, we also have to understand – that rookie quarterbacks, their first couple starts. So Kyler Murray, who looks like a star now, did not look that great for the first six games of the season, and now he's right. a superstar probably. So uh, it's going to take time for Burrow up against it again mm-hmm. this week, and you gave him a C-plus last week. Well, he also overthrew A.J. Green for what should have been a lock touchdown also, if you recall in that game, that he was wide open and Burrow just missed him. And that's unfortunate, but it's encouraging at the same point that you see – the confidence level and you see the report you see okay it's all here we just need to clean it up and that's the thing it's like i, I want to send this paper back to joe burrow after week one and say joe you did a lot of good things you made a good play with your legs you ran for a touchdown it was great all that stuff is really good you, you love that 
but there's some things we have to work on, Joe. There's some things that we can improve in. And I think that it's a tough assignment out of the gate, too, to have Bosa and Ingram coming after you. I That can't be a fun day at the offense for a rookie quarterback. When you're talking about the adjustment to game speed in the NFL, adjusting to the speed of those kind of guys coming after you, that's not something you have to deal with on a weekly basis. That is the upper tier in terms of pass rush. And let's not forget, too, the Chargers secondary was, even without Derwin James last year, graded out pretty darn good. They were in the top three overall. So it was a tough assignment week one. It was a tough curve in terms of what he had to go against, but also how much little time he had to really prepare and get that in-game action. So I think all things being equal, I think it came out slightly on the positive side, and that's why I gave him the C+. And I'm still positive that Joe Burrow, hey, this matchup this week, Thursday Night Football, short week, let's see how he bounces uh, forward here against the Browns. That should be a fun one. Yeah. yeah. No, no preseason for Burrow, and then he's got to play two games in the first 10 days. Good luck. Okay, we got fantasy reality coming up next. We're going to touch on tonight's NBA game. Also, a little dancing with the stars. Yes, you heard that right. Fantasy reality is coming up. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports today with you here on Sports Grid. We got some fantasy or reality coming up. Joe, before we jumped on the show this morning, I caught uh, the new trailer for a very interesting season two show. Do you know what I'm speaking about by any chance? I'm going to guess you're thinking about The Mandalorian is what you're going to be speaking about. Is that correct? Well done. Well done. There yes, you go. very much so. So I suppose they were shooting that during this time, huh? Like that's good news for yeah, us. Yeah, apparently. Apparently, and I heard that WWE's uh, Sasha Banks, uh, women's champion, is going to be in uh, this season as well. So I guess she was busy uh, as well <laughs> at some point I'm shooting this. I told you I was going to try to watch it, and then I never did. But I never got Disney Plus until this summer. So we just got the Disney Plus. I am going to watch it before the second season debuts. I'm going to go through. And it's kind of what I did with Game of Thrones, too, where... I felt like I was going to really like something and I was going to be really annoyed if it was really good and then it didn't come back for a second season. And that's how I felt with Game of Thrones. And I did the same thing. I punted on the first year and then everyone said, oh, my God, it's so amazing. And then I binge watched all the way up until right when the second season started. So I, I probably will end up doing the same thing for The Mandalorian. Now, if memory serves, you were very hot on this to begin with. And then as time went on, you got a little less enthused with the show. Is that correct? Or was now that you have a little time distant away you actually do like the full season one. Yeah, I, I don't know how many episodes there were. I would say there were at least 10, and I would say seven were good and three were a little dull. But I, I think that goes for every show. I don't think you're going to have a perfect episode for every show. But uh, given the lack of options that we have, I would say I'd put this up there with things that I'm excited about for sure. So I was very excited to see it. It was it was, The first five or six episodes were must-watch, must then... Like every other show, there's like pivots away from the main plot, and it's not as interesting. But I, I, I thought it was great. It was one of the better things I saw last year. Oh, actually, I'm a, you know speaking of Game of Thrones, I'm a big fan of the crossover guy from both this conversation. Is Pedro Pascal plays the lead, right? So uh, I assume he was fun in that role. He, he's a very good actor, uh, very you know stage actor as well. Uh, not that long ago, I was actually doing Shakespeare in the Park over there at the Lincoln Center. So uh, this is a real deal kind of actor. And I think when you put good people in good projects, then that tends to take care of itself. I think that's the success of the Marvel films, too, 
which is when you have a lot of great actors and you put great actors and stuff that might be a little bit heightened at times, but you have some comedy and some humor along with these heightened circumstances. Great actors can really elevate the level of a lot of things going on. And I think that's probably the key to stuff like The Mandalorian being good and some other things, too, that are in the pipeline. I'm still waiting for my series that I'm supposed to get with the uh, with the Falcon and, and Bucky. That's what I'm waiting for. My Marvel series. I don't know where Winter Soldier and, and Falcon are. I'm waiting for that. They said it was supposed to be here. I guess everything is delayed. I don't know what to tell you, but that's the one I'm most excited. However, I saw The Mandalorian thing. Uh, my friend Aaron Nagler, who covers the Packers, posted it uh, right before we went on the show, and he is an absolute Star Wars giant nerd fanatic, and uh, I could feel his excitement from the post. So I figured you would want to be bringing it up today, and I knew that one of these things that's on fantasy and reality, after I saw a clip of that this morning as well, there was no way we weren't talking about that today as well as we get to this segment here. And you got a month to knock out the show, so you have plenty of time. You have uh, I do. I'll um, I think time. October thirtieth. Yeah, you got plenty of time. Should be fine. Plenty of time. All Where right. do I go? I go nowhere. No one goes anywhere anymore. What, what exactly. I have to do now? <laughs> All right, fantasy or reality? Let's get it going here. We'll start off with tonight's NBA Game Seven in the Western Conference Finals. The Clippers advance to the NBA West Finals on. Tuesday, you know what? Normally, I give Brett a lot of crap for putting some of the stuff like this out there because there's point spreads attached to all of these. But based and but I did this myself, and, and based on the way that the Nuggets have played, I am strictly going to put this on a win loss situation. I I understand the Clippers are seven point favorites tonight, but they were favorites in the last two games too and lost outright. So, uh, fantasy or reality, the Clippers advance to uh, play the Lakers in the West Finals. Uh, what was that, a 19-point lead in the third at one point? Yeah, I think we can put it in a win-loss. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say I'm gonna say reality. I think the Clippers do win out here, and they do advance. Uh, the Nuggets have been just tremendous. I mean, w- what a job, what a show they put on yesterday to come back. And I feel like sometimes now we're getting to these Game 7s and these playoff moments. This is where the lack of a home court advantage really changes things. I mean, if this was in one of these buildings – we could feel very differently about this game, but because you're playing in a neutral site, I'm going to go over there with the team and the favorite here with the Clippers that they're going to, and Kawhi Leonard and company are going to find a way to win this game, but I'm not going to be shocked, obviously. I mean, how could we be shocked if the Nuggets upset them here, even though they are clearly underdogs going into this game, Craig, how do you feel about this matchup here tonight? Yeah, I don't like it for the Clippers. I don't. And and again, the money line is like plus 250 and it's $100 to win 250 on this. And, and look, the Clippers are clearly the better team, but all I heard in game six was Jabal Murray has to have a monster game or the Nuggets are going to get knocked out and lose. He did not. They still won. So without him even having the game of his life, which he had basically against Donovan Mitchell in Utah like five games in a row, um, they just keep winning. And boy, the pressure is definitely on the Clippers. You're up three to one and can't close it out. And I wonder what would happen in a close game there. They have the best player on the court in Kawhi. And it's not a strong feeling or a bet that I would make or anything else, but just to take the opposite side of it, uh, look, a money. if I was going to bet, it would not be the spread. I would take the money line and just take your shot because if the Clippers win, they probably win by more than seven. I don't think it'll be close. The games haven't been that close. Uh, so uh, I'll just put, I'll take the other side just for the sake of it and take Denver. Not betting advice from me, by the way. I don't take that one to the bank. Okay, <laughs> fantasy reality. Let's move on to coaches. And I've seen I've seen a lot of bad coaching in the NFL for sure. And it's too hot of a take to say that a coach is going to get fired after week one, two, three. And even in this season, as we're seeing in the other sports, 
the coaches are having to go through so much to get these seasons in. I doubt you're going to see coaches fired during the season. I, I just don't see it. There's so many other factors that go involved. But I'm going to look at 2021 here, Joe. And right out of the gate after week one, I'm going to say it. Fantasy or reality, and it's got to be both, combination. Matt Patricia and Vic Fangio are NFL head coaches in 2021. Is that fantasy or reality? I think it's fantasy. I don't think either of them are. And some guys are just better suited to being coordinators, too. We've seen it happen before. I mean, Wade Phillips, right? I mean, there's a guy who's gotten numerous head coaching opportunities, always was better as a coordinator. Uh, North always thought it was better as a coordinator in those moments where he was just the OC than he was the head coach. And, you know, the data kind of drives that as well. Um, I think Matt Patricia just, I was actually surprised by hiring in the first place, to be honest with you. And I'm a Pats guy, and I think Patricia did a good job with that defense. But it's very difficult under that Belichick tree to come out from underneath of it and shine. There's, there's very few that have. Um, a few have more recently uh, than back in the very, very past. In that first run that they had, we all know what Romeo Cornell and Charlie Weiss and some of the struggles there for those guys as head coaches. But sometimes people are just better as coordinators. I think Fangio really fits that mold as well. As a guy who's been around the NFL for many, many years, and maybe head coaching is just not his thing. And maybe it's just something where, too, where they, they react to week one now when you go back. And I think there's a little bit of panic setting in, a little bit of desperation. And I think at that point, it's smart to then lean on the coordinators you have to turn things around. I think what the opposite is tends to be true, which is they get tighter. They take on more control as opposed to giving up more control. And I think that's why guys like Patricia and Fangio are going to be out of a job where I think now, now is the time to look to the people you hired to bail you out. If you hired good people, look to them to support you, give you ideas of what's going wrong. Let them take some more ownership. Let them take some more responsibility because it's not working what you're doing. And I think the opposite, the inverse ends up happening most of the time. And that's why you see guys quickly out of the NFL as head coaches. Yeah, I'll probably say reality here. Again, I'm not going to just pivot completely off picking the Lions to win eight or nine games off one game. But that was a staggering loss that they had on Sunday. And after watching what I did of Denver, they did not look any different. doesn't matter who the coordinator is there. Vic Fangio is the one calling the plays. And it's a little depressing, honestly, from Denver's point of view. You have John Elway, who played like with his hair on fire and played like Brett Favre for all the... And, and this guy's the president of the team. I mean, you cannot win in the NFL... There, there's one team named the Tennessee Titans, and they have Derrick Henry, okay? And Denver does not. <laughs> so you got to throw the ball. You just drafted a quarterback in the first round. I mean, he's got to be throwing 40 passes a game. You're not winning on the ground, and slowing the game down is not the way to win in the NFL. Not, just, with, and not with Melvin Gordon either. Melvin Gordon's not a between I, I the tackle. I don't like what back. I saw from either team. And, and with Matt Patricia – yeah, I mean, look, he's he has got to win eight games at least to to keep his gig there, and it was very disappointing to see that way. And I'm going to say reality. I think both are probably gone. I think my Lions pick probably gone too, but we'll see. All right, uh, fantasy or reality? Now, this was really intriguing during the the Dancing with the Stars show that came on last night. Of course, for those of you who watch Tiger King, this is interesting. For those of you who have never seen Tiger King. Uh, this is probably the end of you watching our show today, but that's fine. Uh, Tiger King was on. Carol Baskin was one of the main characters. There's a lot of speculation that she may have had something to do with her husband's disappearance. The show became wildly popular. She was solely responsible for putting the Tiger King 
in jail, you you probably could say as well. There's just a, a lot of reality TV stuff kind of going on, and it's continuing. And so if you missed Dancing with the Stars last night, which I did, apparently there was a commercial that had the Don Lewis family, that was the husband, ex-husband of Carol Baskin, doing a 30-second spot asking people to call to find out what happened to their uh, father, who's disappeared for many, many years and willing to put up a reward of over $100,000 to if they could find who did something to us. So let's ask the question. The Don Lewis family, Joe, based on this spot, will find his killer, because clearly he's not alive, thanks to the commercial on Dancing with the Stars. Is fantasy or reality? It's fantasy because Don is still alive. Dun, dun, dun. Spoiler. He comes back season two. That's the opener. The end of the first episode, the doorbell rings, and there's Don. Oh, my God. He's been living in Costa Rica all these years. And he comes back, and he's wearing all these cool leopard print things and all this stuff, right? Like he's been out on safari, and he's like 90 years old, but he's still alive, and he's here to claim everything now, and he's here to take her to court, and it's going to become a great courtroom drama. Look, I, I, I know they're not going to find his killer. Uh, they're not going to find out anything that happened or how this all went. It is one of the most bizarre things ever. It, it actually started me thinking about all those crazy things and rewatching. I'm not going to rewatch it ever because it was so bizarre fun, but I really enjoy myself watching it. I did, did have watch dancing. I don't know if you did. It was, um, it was, it was rather it was great, but I have a sneaking suspicion that she's going to be kept on this show for a while because it's probably very good ratings. And I think with that show happens, you know, you see that people aren't that great stick around for a little bit longer than they should be. Well, people are sick and they like to see a train wreck. So Craig, do you think they're going to find his killer? Look, I say fantasy, but I will say this a hundred thousand dollars to find somebody's killer in general is not something that's going to really move the needle in most places. But based on the characters that we saw, in Tiger King, and the amount of money that they were paid, or not paid, essentially, to do things that we would never do for that little amount of money, I'm just wondering if somebody for that amount within the Tiger King world, if that would be a game changer for them. So I'm going to say fantasy, because I agree with you, and I don't think he was eaten by a tiger or anything like that. Like I, I don't think that that happened. But I do think it is a mystery. And if they could get one of these surly characters who is down on their luck and has no money and is finally willing to put Carol Baskin out there for a hundred grand, I, I think that there's a small shot of this happening. I, I would not completely rule it out. A hundred grand to these people, Joe, it's a lot of cash. <laughs> oh, I know it's been oh, only in Florida, only in Florida. <laughs> cool. All right, folks, don't go away. we got the Sports Grid 60. That's coming up next. And then we'll be back on the show tomorrow at noon. So make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be right back after this right here on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today as we wrap it up here on this Tuesday edition of the show. Plenty to come on tomorrow's show. Dr. Chad will be with us with the latest in terms of injuries. And also Adam Beasley from the Miami Herald will join us and tell us the latest on the Miami Dolphins and when we could see Tua 
taking snaps under center for them. That's on tomorrow's show. But on today's show, we leave you with the Sports Grid 60. And for that, we turn it over to my co-host, Joe Pizzapia. Joe? You see this behind me right here? It's the last time the Mets won a World Series, 1986. I've been an optimist for most of my life because of that World Series. But it's been a difficult road for sure. And especially in the last few years with the ownership of the New York Mets. Oh, and their Ponzi schemes and their nonsense and their bad decisions. And the last decade or so has been pretty rough despite having that one-off World Series appearance. But Steve Cohen, you're giving me hope. And I don't know whether I should hug you and embrace it or if I should run the other direction because I'm just going to be disappointed again. All I know is, Steve, between you and I, I'm ready. I'm ready to love again. I'm ready to enjoy the Mets. Please, please, I hope that that bank account is big enough to make all of my dreams come true. Well, you got a, you got a shot, Joe, and that's, uh, that's all you can ask for. Um, you haven't had a shot for about 20 years. Now you finally have a shot here with the Mets. Don't forget they had some good postseason runs, but I, I get it. It's been, it's been tough for you for sure. Um, you know, something happened the other day in baseball that I do want to focus in on here as we close out the show. And, and sometimes we're witnessing things that happen in the game and players in the game, and we really don't have the appreciation for it. And I know that ever since Albert Pujols got to Los Angeles, he certainly hasn't had the same fanfare. He hasn't been the same player that he was with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, but Albert Pujols has 660 career home runs. I mean, this guy tied Willie Mays. And by most accounts, no one has really put him in any other category except for one of the best players in the history of the game. To put this in perspective, Mike Trout needs to play 10 more years and hit about 35 home runs each year to catch Albert Pujols. It is no easy feat. It's also no easy feat to stay healthy, which Pujols has done. Will he get to 700? Will he get to 715 or even 755? That remains to be seen. But there is greatness going on, and the shame of it is greatness going on with the greatest player in the game and basically no team around him, which is sad. That'll do the show. Thanks again to my co-host, Joe Pizzapia. I'm Craig Mesh. See you tomorrow at noon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.